Welcome to The Mixdown. I'm Christopher Fay, the Executive Director of Homestretch. The mission of Homestretch is to empower homeless parents with children by giving them the knowledge, skills, and hope that they need to become self-sufficient. This is our new podcast where we talk about timely issues around homelessness, learn from inspiring stories, and share the hope that is actualized when crisis is turned into opportunity. In this episode, I'm joined by Snelly Badra. Snelly has been on Homestretch staff with us now for nine years. She holds her master's in rehabilitation counseling and specializes in trauma-informed job coaching. Snelly is also a master gardener, and she's the proud mom of rescue cats, Ruth and Dolly. Thank you so much for joining us today, Snelly. Thank you so much for having me as your guest, Chris. So, Sonelli, how did you end up choosing a career in employment counseling? Kind of by accident. Actually, um, I had an older sister who had a disability, and she had a lot of trouble maintaining employment. And so I became um, very interested in employment law and disability law, and I found through my research um, that people with disabilities could work with state-appointed job coaches. So I learned about rehabilitation counseling, which is um, a profession where you can work um, with adults with disabilities and uh, help them develop their vocational prospects. I learned all about that, and I decided to go to work primarily in a quest to help my sister, but then I found that I really wanted to serve the uh, adults with disabilities community at large, and I just got more and more involved with it. It just became my my life and my passion. Sometimes these choices we make are really deeply personal. Silly, what are the trends that you see in your field? That's a good question. Um, in general, uh, I would say... I've been in this field for 20 years, and so over the last 20 years, I've, I took note of a mass movement towards automation of lower-level jobs. So the, the cashier positions, the mailroom positions that used to ex- uh, exist between 2000 and 2010 have lessened or just plain do not exist at this point. Um, in terms of people who were working at those jobs um, over that time period, there's there has had to be a lot of retraining to get into newer types of positions. Um, a lot of the automation came with data migration, and so there are bits and pieces of data migration that some people were able to take over. But that has been actually a huge challenge for people who are in vocational rehabilitation counseling. Uh, um, Another type, another trend that I've seen actually is uh, greater and greater interest in STEM careers, particularly IT careers. A lot of our clients are interested in IT careers, particularly women who historically have 
shied away from those types of careers. So we have um, worked with different agencies to set up a program to help women enter uh, the IT field. And so we've uh, spent a lot of time looking at funding for IT careers and helping women get in, particularly women, not exclusively women, but particularly women get into IT programs and network with um, businesses that could potentially provide entry-level employment. So this tend towards uh, wanting to work in IT was um, heightened by the pandemic when suddenly many, many people lost their jobs and suddenly their kids were attending school at home and all the childcare centers closed down. Uh, parents all of a sudden had a strong need to work remotely. And so over the last year from, I would say, the end of March 2020 through the beginning of this year, I've spent a lot of time cultivating paths to potential remote work. So a lot of that is IT. A lot of that is um, telephone-related customer service. We set up people to be able to work from home and provided computer monitors, headsets, and other kinds of equipment that are um, used for remote work to get people uh, pandemic work ready. So um, those are a couple of things that I've noticed, but I, even though the pandemic, even though people, more people are getting vaccinated, um, I think that the trend towards IT and wanting to do more uh, work remotely is going to continue. I think actually the, the idea of a job market being static is really false. The job market is constantly shifting. Um, I remember as a boy, my best friend became a car mechanic simply by working on his car in his backyard. Years later, I went to visit him in his shop, and he told me, well, Chris, nowadays I had to go back to school to learn how to do this because all the cars are now computerized. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, you know, the fields are constantly changing. We have to be up to date. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we're, we're, of course, we're talking about your, your services, employment counselor for Homestretch, and the mission of Homestretch is to empower homeless families with children to secure housing, and attain the skills, knowledge, and hope they need to become economically self-sufficient. So we're talking about men and women, mostly women, as you said, with children who have become homeless, they're in crisis, they end up in our, our program, we're giving them housing, and then they meet with you to try and, and figure out how they're going to solve um, the employment equation, which of course they need to be employed to increase their income. So um, can you describe a little bit of what you do and what is unique about our program in terms of how we can work with a homeless parent? Sure. I meet with all of the adult clients and initially I meet them to figure out what their educational backgrounds were, what their employment histories are, and just kind of get a sense of who they are and what their abilities are in terms of whether or not they have a disability, whether or not they have a workable command of English, and then based on what their abilities are, what they tell me in terms of if they have a learning disability or any other kind of disability or anything else that might be a hindrance to full employment, um, I, we, I help them create a plan 
And the plan is to obtain education if relevant and how to and eventually find um, employment that will help them achieve self-sufficiency and ultimately after the TO program enter into market rate housing. So I look at what the history is in terms of employment education and what the interests are. And we do so a little bit of career counseling services to, if the client is not sure about the direction they want to go to. I'm a trained career counselor, so I provide that service to help them figure out what will work for them because it is important to consider a person's interests when they're talking about their career because we have the most success when we're happy at work and I want to make sure that people are happy with the jobs that they're entering. But we are also very concerned about self-sufficiency standards. So I make sure very early on, typically the initial meeting, that I share the actual numbers for self-sufficiency standards for this area so that um, people are not living under any illusions about how it, uh, much it costs to live in this area. The Fairfax, Falls Church, Arlington, uh, generally Northern Virginia, anything around the D.C. area is very, very expensive. And so it's important to consider how much different jobs pay and to look at educational programs accordingly and not make decisions just based on whether or not we like it, but whether or not you have a shot of making, meeting self-sufficiency standards. I also encourage people to continue working with other staff, such as our credit counselor, our housing navigator in particular, uh, so that when opportunities for housing comes up, they take them seriously and apply to them because housing is so expensive in this area. So um, I make this general plan within the first one to two meetings, and then we get to work. We look for educational programs that fit what we're looking for for the client. We look for uh, educational funding. Uh, often it's government some funding, sometimes it's private funding to fund the educational program. And we get started with classes. And mo in most situations, we are simultaneously doing a job search to either elevate the person's income or get income. Often people enter our program uh, unemployed. And so we want the person, even though they're working on education, we want them to be working for pretty much the entire time they're with us so that there is an employment history for housing applications and for other services in the community that require uh, a work history. We also need the person to be able to create a savings and pay off debts while they're with us. So the sooner they are working and putting into their savings account, the better. So we're work, working with clients in a multifaceted level and it's um, a lot of moving pieces at once. Of course, we're located in the city of Falls Church, which is one of the most affluent small cities in the entire United States. And we're surrounded by, on one side, by Fairfax City and Fairfax County, and then the other by Arlington County, which are two of the wealthiest counties in the United States. So the cost of living is extremely high. So we think someone who is homeless and unemployed and probably without many marketable skills has quite an uphill road if they're going yeah. to be able to be afford housing and, and be able to take care of their family. So 
tell us, Sinali, what is a typical day in your life like at Homestretch? Well, I can tell you about my day today. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> it started with our Monday morning meeting where uh, all the staff gets together and we talk about our schedules. And then I just hit the ground running and I had uh, three and a half other meetings uh, with clients to work on different aspects of their employment plan. One of them is in, uh, she is, her plan is in three parts and we are, we have finished the 1.5 of the three parts. So we're right in the middle of her plan. She's actually uh, getting ready to um, be at the end of her program, but we're, likely going to give her an extension and then we'll be able to work on the other parts of her program. But, um, there, we got her to a point where we're feeling pretty good at the, about the progress. And that was meeting, uh, client meeting number one, client meeting number two was straight job searching. This client has several children and will probably struggle to meet self-sufficiency standards in this area, but we just filled out applications with her. And she, this is somebody who actually needs more support. So we need to be with her to complete the application. Um, so that's uh, fairly intensive work. Every single person, the work is very, even though this general goal is the same, the work is very, very different from person to person. And you have to just switch from person to person to person um, the tone that you use with them, the types of activities that you're doing. It's, um, it's a challenge if you're not used to doing it. I want to bring up a, um, another thing. Can you, can you give us a good uh, case study, perhaps, of one of the clients that you felt really took advantage of our program and made some success that you're really, you're really happy about? Sure. Um, one of the clients that I met with today, I think after a short period of time in which she was living with her, living in U-Haul, uh, I think that she had lost her home and was essentially on the street. Um, she came into the program in kind of a whirlwind and I had lost her footing um, in her previous career. She was a teacher for a local jurisdiction and she was living with her mother and taking care of her mother who was older and um, had a terminal illness. And finally the mother passed away and everything kind of crumbled around her. She was about to enroll in a master's cohort program between the school system and a local university. And she couldn't get all of her paperwork in on time because she just lost track of what she was doing because of the trauma of having lost her mom. And uh, they dismissed her from the program and she ended up losing her job at the school. So that was a very traumatic experience for her and she just kind of receded into herself 
and stopped trying for a long time. And when she, when she was with us for a lot of her time with us, she kind of hid away from us. She wouldn't uh, attend meetings or she would set up meetings and just not show up. Uh, it turns out that she was also dealing with uh, a lot of stress that she didn't reveal to us until later on uh, with her child's custody. And so once we helped her figure this situation out and get back um, in good terms with her attorney and everything was managed, everything else began to fall into place. And so as a team, we helped her kind of pick herself back up and dust off. She, the, even though she hid from us for a long time, I will say that she uh, continued to work throughout the pandemic. She was one of about five people who maintained their employment, which for her was outside of the teaching job. It was a side job um, that was a retail job at a local mall. So she maintained that job throughout the pandemic and continued to meet with me sporadically, but it increased. And once her confidence was built back up a year after she entered the program, she, I was able to convince her to go to an interview for a um, position with the school system and she was hired and everything else changed when she was hired back into the system, her attitude during the meetings is completely different. She makes her meetings. She never reschedules with me now. And this is, Chris knows who I'm talking about. This is a complete turnaround from this client, for this client. She is excited about work. She was hired for a more position, permanent position in the fall. And she is now once again, looking ahead to rejoining that master's program. That is her goal. She is actually one of the clients who's asking for an extension, and that is her goal. With us, that's what we're going to work on together, is getting her to the point where she was two and a half years ago before she lost her mom. Your description of this client, CLA, brings up a couple of important points, I think. One is that it's so important if we're going to make this kind of progress with somebody that we are able to establish trust. And it's hard to tell how long it will take to establish that trust. And many of our clients have experienced some kind of debilitating crisis, which has been a blow to their self-esteem, a blow to their ability to trust others, and um, is packed with trauma. And oftentimes that's not something they want to reveal right away because it's just too personal, too painful. So we have to really get past all that in order to make that long-term progress. And that takes time. So this is going to be a successful client, but her, her journey through Homestead will be well over two years. It was a, definitely a team effort. Every person on this team, from the case manager, the credit counselor, we all had to work together to figure out what was happening with her to fix it and then be able to move forward. So it was one, another thing that's unique about Homestead is that we work together that closely as a team to be able to move people through the program and um, into safe and affordable housing. And it really worked for this client. So Nelly, let me ask you this. If you could just wave a magic wand and 
by doing so, you suddenly had all the resources at your disposal to help all the clients in our care. What kind of resources would you suddenly be able to provide that we, we don't have now? Educational funding, universal educational funding. At, I, would, I would want at least the two years after graduation from high school to be just universally funded through the public education system. So associate's degrees, uh, vocational certificates, I, I want universal funding for this. There are other things, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe in um, student loan forgiveness, particularly for families under a certain income, maybe $120,000 a year for a family of four. Uh, that could change based on jurisdictions, but I fully believe that if we have an educated society, as a society, we'll go on to do great things and more and more people will thrive. It's only, it's good for the world if we uh, educate our citizens. And so we should, as a society, do everything that we can to make sure that people have access to basic education and good quality education. Um, so education is the big one, access to educational dollars, you know, without any strings attached. What about de debt? Do you have any thoughts about uh, um, liquidating debts as well? Um, yes, I think, well, with the pandemic, I really support uh, student loan forgiveness for most families, who, at least families who've had a major impact by the pandemic. Um, it could go right along with, I was going to say it could go right along with um, unemployment, but there were some people who might not have been able to get employment by the time the pandemic rolled around. But yes, I think that the debt should be essentially universally eradicated. It'll be, it'd be good for the economy. Yes, it would. If I could wave that same magic wand, Sally, I would, I would have a major crackdown on predatory lending. Yes. I, I think Americans Absolutely. don't realize, we don't realize the degree to which predatory lenders take advantage of the most vulnerable people, which are the poorest people, desperate. They, they need to pay their bill, otherwise they're going to get um, evicted. And, and it's a 5,000% interest rate. Yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. It's very expensive to be poor. It's yes. unnecessarily expensive. It, it, it's And um, predatory lending, you're absolutely, absolutely right across the board, but particularly for educational loans, there are uh, there is plenty of predatory lending practices when it comes to educational loans, and they are they specifically target people who are in underserved areas. So people who might not have as much knowledge about what are decent educational programs or what education programs should cost. And we find that we, um, we encounter that a lot at Homestretch. And um, a lot of my time has been spent helping people get, get out of programs that they sign up for. Um, without checking. And I ask all new people to check with me before they sign any paperwork for educational programs because I've had to fight for people to uh, get them backed out of predatory loans. 
Tell me, what would you like our listeners and people in general to know about family homelessness? It can happen to anybody. It can, there's, there's no real rhyme or reason. If you think that you, it'll never happen to you, you know, you have a safety net, you're, you're wrong. You can never tell what can happen, what trauma can happen that will send you spiraling into homelessness. It can be a loss of a family member, an important family member. It can be a global trauma that we're experiencing right now. The entire world is is experiencing a trauma together. Um, and there, and most are not very well. They're, the 1% is doing fine, but the rest of us are not. So, I mean, even as somebody who grew up in a middle-class background with comfortable, uh, with a comfortable house and parents who are economically secure, I don't count that I couldn't be homeless at some point. You know, it, it just takes one big loss. And without the social safety net, you know, we, it, it can happen to anybody. So when we are looking at people with uh, who are homeless or when we are in the grocery store and you see people, somebody paying uh, with an EBT card or if you, you know, see uh, a news article about the police moving a homeless encampment, encampment in D.C. and you um, feel judgment or, or you think, oh, that can be me. I can't relate to this. You know, I, I would take a look at that and really think about what it must be like for those people and recognize that they probably, they might've had a life before they were in that position and, you know, they should be treated with humanity and understanding. And we should all want to help them get to the point where they're safe and doing as much as they can do to survive because we would want that for ourselves too. I hope that answered the question. I said a yes. lot, I realized. No, oh, yes, yes, it okay. did. Thank you, Sonelli. Okay. And how can people help support homeless parents who are seeking jobs? Well, for one, if you are a person who uh, either manages a business or you own a business or you work at a business that could take on employees, it would be great to um, work with me and uh, potentially uh, interview some of our clients. Our clients are come with a vast amount of experience and back, different backgrounds and different capabilities and would fit lots of different kinds of uh, companies. So consider hiring um, diverse clients. Great. Last question, Sinelli. This has been a tough year with, with the pandemic, all the challenges that our families face, our program face, you're trying to help them. Sure. And still, you, you go to work every day um, energized and committed. What, what gives you hope? Well, you've known me for a long time. I'm, in general, a very, very hopeful person. I'm a very positive person. I always think that tomorrow is going to be better. So I, that's what I do. I will tell you that for the first time 
for the first time during the pandemic, I, my luster kind of dimmed a little bit because the job market was dismal for so long. And I think I saw our clients losing a little bit of hope. Um, so that was hard, but I kept on making everybody meet with me. Even if we weren't applying to jobs, <laughs> I made them attend their meetings so that we could always do something to move forward. And I think that's really what I've been doing the last year and a half. I've just been putting one foot in, for, in front of the other and pushing people to do that too, to keep their eyes on a goal, even if it's a little bit further away now because of the pandemic. But since uh, the economy has been opening a little bit because people have been vaccinated, um, although our clients are largely not vaccinated, but that's another struggle that we're having. And that's something I'm kind of trying to coax people into considering too. But um, I, it'll get better and I know that it'll get better. I've, I've been through a lot. It's been 20 years. I've worked with people in employment post 9-11. You know, I've worked with people in employment during the recession and 2008. So I, as an employment person, have been through a lot personally. So I know that things will get better because they always get better. And that's what I tell our clients. So I'll add, one of the things that gives me hope is whenever I hear that testimony of a graduate and they talk about how they didn't have hope in the beginning and how they they realized that we believed in them even more than they believed in themselves and that kind of ignited hope in them and then once they start believing in themselves and start succeeding then it becomes like an escalating train just gets moving faster and faster to see the joy and the, the regained sense of purpose in a life that we have touched is a beautiful thing and you do that a lot. That's uh, a big part of what you do. That's exactly how I feel uh, things are with the client that I was talking about earlier, who's re-entering the school system. Her sense of self has been renewed and restored, and now she's moving forward at a feverish pace. Yeah, that's exciting to see. It's very exciting. Well, Sonali, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You are endlessly creative in finding solutions for our clients, and you are a fierce advocate for their success. For those listening, if you'd like to learn more about our approach to transforming lives and creating lasting change, please visit our website at homestretchva.org. That's homestretchva.org. And please also subscribe to The Mixdown.